Well, good morning, everyone. It's always a joy and a privilege to be able to preach and teach here at Maranatha Bible Church. Some of you may not be aware, but at the end of August, I will no longer be on staff at Maranatha. I am making a transition, a smooth transition into, uh, as I'm the equip, uh, I'm uh, the executive director of Equip Ministries International, where we go overseas and we're training pastors overseas that have very little, if any, Bible training and providing resources and Bibles and uh, solar-powered lights for them, because a lot of places we go have no electricity at all. And so uh, looking forward to that, but uh, always enjoy preaching God's word here. And so thankful I feel that over the years that I've been here, I have been loved by you so many times. And as Chris said, most of you, not all of you. And so, uh, so thankful for you. Uh, please keep us in prayer. Like many missions organizations, we have not been able to travel this year. Uh, last year, I was able to travel with Matt Young uh, about six or seven times overseas. This year, we have not traveled at all. And I will be very honest with you, it's very discouraging right now not to be able to travel and see some of our partners overseas. So just would appreciate your prayers for our ministry. Uh, I think it's an understatement if I told you that we live in challenging times. That is a given. Uh, but there is a challenge that is being put before us more and more and more. And I think over this next year, we will see it even more. And that is the discerning between right and wrong, of good and evil, of truth and error. Um, especially in what we see today, especially in what we hear, and especially in what we read. How do I discern between what is truth these days and what is error? Because it seems like it is changing every single day. And, and I'm just kind of confused. How do I hold on to the truth during days like this? And how do I determine what is error in my life? I, I think that's why John, in 1 John chapter 4, he says, test the spirits. In other words, don't believe everything that you hear and see. But test that. Hold it up to the standard or the truth of God's word and see where it stands. Because the word of God is truth. Amen. The word of God is truth. And so we are grateful for that because there is a lot of wackos out there. And they will try to fabricate lies and they will try to lure us from the truth. And they will try to deceive us in so many ways and trying to get us to believe in regards to error and false teaching. So nowhere is this seen more than in 2 John. You're like, well, we just finished 1 John. So we thought we would just do a one-week flyby and just hit on 2 John. It is uh, the shortest book of the Bible with a whopping 13 verses. Uh, but in those 13 verses, we see John tell us that truth and love are inseparable. They walk hand in hand. What we see in this book of 2 John is that we see how do we respond when someone knocks on your door or comes into your church and is preaching a gospel or is preaching a message that is contrary to the word of God. How do we respond to that? And then we also see in 2 John here, um, how do we know if someone is teaching error? If someone is teaching something that is false, something that is contradictory to the word of God. So let's start out with a question this morning. And those of you will have an advantage if you've ever overdosed on classic rock station. Okay? So it's 1989. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They come out with an album. In that album is a song called Free Falling. 
the, the opening lyrics to that song says this. She's a good girl. She loves her mama. And then he gives five things that she loves. What are those five things? You've got 10 seconds. You cannot use your phone to cheat. 10 seconds. What are those five things? Go. So she's a good girl. She loves her mama. Loves Jesus and America too. You can put the slide up. She's a good girl. She loves her mama. Loves Jesus and America too. She's a good girl. She, she's crazy about Elvis. Loves horses and her boyfriend too. Okay. Uh, what struck me as I have sung that song for years is how Jesus is just kind of thrown into the mix with everything else. That Jesus is cool, kind of like Elvis and America and uh, someone's boyfriend. Uh, that he's just kind of thrown in with everything else that's going on. And it's my thinking that Jesus in our culture today has become blurred. The lines of truth, the line of who Jesus truly is in these days has become blurred to the point of where we're not quite sure who Jesus is anymore because if you don't know the truth, you don't really know who Jesus is. And so we live in a culture now where people talk about Jesus but they're not quite really sure who he is. And when he is thrown in with everything else it seems like these days, that makes us very vulnerable to error. And so there are really two extreme misconceptions that people have today about Jesus and they have today about living the Christian life. And misconception number one is this. It doesn't matter what I believe as long as I'm what? Sincere and loving. No, it does matter what you believe today. It does matter what I believe. Because no matter how sincere you are and how loving you are, you can be sincerely wrong. It matters what you believe today. The second misconception is this. It doesn't matter how I live as long as I believe the truth. Well, if you know the truth, then you'll know that the way that you're living may not be correct. And so these are two misconceptions. And John is talking about this in 2 John saying, wait a second, truth and love go hand in hand. They're inseparable. What I believe should be backed up in how I live, especially when it comes to this name of Jesus. Who is he? What did he claim? How did he live? And how do I live a life as he did? How can I live in light of who Jesus is? And so uh, 2 John, just to give you an overview, it is a time where the church is alive during 2 John. The church is growing. People are sharing their faith. They're showing the love of Christ. People are being changed. And the, the church is experiencing remarkable growth and blessing. But all of a sudden there are people coming into the church Teachers that are coming into the church that are slithering, I should say, into the church teaching falsehood or teaching error. And, and all of a sudden their teaching is as common as uh, Jesus' teaching is common as, as uh, Elvis and America and uh, horses. And all of a sudden these teachers are coming in and they're sharing a message that is different than what we have right here. And it's happening today. It's happening today. 
If you see what's going on in our culture right now, it's happening. Where all of a sudden, Jesus is someone completely different than what we see in the word of God. And so 2 John begins to explain, what do we do about that? How do we respond to that? How do we handle that in 2 John? Truth cannot be mixed with error. The moment that truth is mixed with error, it's no longer truth. And so John warns and helps the followers of Christ to resist error by upholding God's truth and God's love. So two important truths from this letter. And the first one is this. Truth plus love. Say it with me. Truth plus love. That's what we see really in the first six verses. We see that the person who wrote it, his name is Elder. Well, most scholars uh, and tradition would say this elder is John, one of the disciples. He is the last surviving apostle. Uh, and so John is that elder. Well, who does he write to? Well, it tells us that he writes to uh, the elect lady and her children. Well, what does that mean, the elect lady and her children? There are two possibilities here. One is that there was an actual woman who had some children, that she had had some questions. She writes John, and John writes this letter back to her, and that the church is meeting in her home. The other possibility is that this elect lady is a church, and the children are the people or the members of that church. Um, I, t I tend to lean to more towards that this is a reference to a church and that the members of the church he would recognize or classify as children. But either way, the message is still going out. And here's the message, and I don't want you to miss this because you may not see it in 2 John. Whether this is a lady or whether this is a church, there is a church that is meeting. A picture a house church where maybe there's uh, 20 people that are jam-packed in a house. And that there would be itinerant preachers that would go from area to area, town to town, and they would preach. Well, all of a sudden, there were some itinerant preachers that were coming through the town and were walking into that house and teaching, but they were teaching air. But in the zeal of wanting to make everyone feel comfortable, they're very hospitable to everyone. How many of you enjoy uh, being hospitable? Okay, three of you. Um, the rest of you, you like someone to be hospitable towards you. Uh, but this lady was being very hospitable, but at the sake of compromising the scriptures. She was so hospitable and welcoming these false teachers into her home or into the church that she was compromising the gospel. And in her zeal of love flowing over and trying to be tolerant, she was compromising the truth. And she was letting air come in to that home or into that church. In the first six verses, what we see is we see two words that really fly off the page. And that is the words truth and love. Now, how many of you were here when we went through 1 John? Okay. There is something that constantly John is talking about. He can't hardly write one verse without talking about his two favorite topics, which is truth and love. And he does that here. They walk hand in hand. And it tells us that John rejoices greatly that the church or this lady and her children are walking in the truth. Can I just take a time out? There is nothing greater in your personal life 
And there's nothing greater than in the corporate worshiping that we're walking in truth. That we love the truth. And that we respond in love. That we walk and live in truth. And that is going to be tested. And it's being tested right now. And I believe over this next year, we are going to see and be bombarded with so much coming at us so fast that we better know what it means to know the truth and to walk in that truth and to do it in love. And that is what John is saying here. He mentions in verse 1, love in truth. He mentions a truth again in verse 2, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the uh, the Father's Son in truth and love. He talks about it. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children are walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. Uh, Drop down to verse 5. And now I ask you, dear lady, or church, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is the love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. There is a constant walk in the truth. Walk in love. Walk in the truth. Uh, maybe you've heard before, speak the truth in love. Some of us speak the truth, but we don't do it lovingly. And some of us are loving, but we're not truthful about it. And that's a form of manipulation. And so the question this morning, as we look at these six verses, do you entertain truth and love merely as a guest in your heart? Or do you entertain truth and love as the master of your soul. Truth never compromises with the world and sin, and love always upholds truth to the fullest extent. So let's stop. Are you walking in the truth? Are you abiding in the truth? It is not enough to just come here on a sunny morning, get your fill, check it off, and then live any way you want. Are you walking in the truth? Here's the second question. How can you walk in the truth if you don't know it? And the only way we're going to know truth is by being in it. So we're going to start over here this morning. I'm going to ask you how many, how many hours you spend in the Word of God this week. And so go ahead and stand up. Okay. Are you, are you, okay. No, we won't do that. But I mean, the moment I said that, you're thinking, oh, man, I spent maybe a half second in the Word this week. I'm busted, you know. The only way in a culture where things are changing so quick and we're to uphold the word of God is to know that truth. I'm sure all of you probably have a dollar bill or a $5 bill or a $10 bill in your wallet right now. I mean, I look in my wallet and I've got, all right, I've got a dollar bill. The only way that I'm going to know if this is true, that it's not counterfeit, is by what? Studying it. Not studying error, not studying something that's counterfeit, but something that is real. And I look at it every single day so that when error shows up, when falsehood shows up, I immediately recognize it as being counterfeit. That's what we need to do. We're walking in love. We're walking in truth. And John says, I rejoice greatly that my children are doing that, that they are walking in truth. Well, the second thing that we see here is that the danger of dealing with false teachers Now, stay with me for a second. 
Here's what was happening. These teachers, these itinerant teachers, not all of them, but some of them were going from town to town, and they were called Gnostics. And these Gnostics believed that anything physical was evil. So they would not view Jesus Christ as being God in the flesh. They would not see him as truly being the son of God because of him being flesh and matter or physical was evil. They would say, Jesus is not God. And so they promoted that message to the people. And the people began to doubt, is this really true? I always thought that Jesus was God. But apparently these itinerant preachers are saying, no, no, he's not God. If that was the case, then we're still lost in our sin. That there was no redemptive way for us to be saved when Jesus went to the cross. If Jesus was not truly God. So John is addressing this to help believers see that Jesus is truly who he claimed to be. That he is the one who makes the difference in our lives. He is truly God in the flesh. And no power, no possessions, no popularity, but only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ will do that. I want to just encourage you and yet challenge you for a moment. Open your eyes to what's going on in our culture right now. When we see in certain states that it is okay to protest, but it's not okay to meet as a church, and people are believing that, we need to be careful. We need to know the difference between what is true and what is false. And we're going to see more and more things that contradict the word of God. But we need to know the word of God in order to defend the word of God. I think that in the next year, all of our lives will be tested in some way. I believe in this next year, things are happening so quick. Nobody here would have said in early March, oh yeah, we're going to have a huge pandemic I'm going to be able to sit in my house and every night for three months watch Netflix. I don't think anyone would have said that. I don't think anyone would have said we went from an economy that was booming to all of a sudden it just crashed. I don't think anyone would have said all of a sudden it's okay to just go ahead and just mark up and vandalize and tear stuff down just for the sake of some kind of organization. I think all of us need to be aware that what is at stake is truth. What is at stake is knowing the truth and walking the truth and yet doing it in love. That is John's challenge. And he says now these false teachers have come in and there is the danger with that. And so sometimes when we see God's word and we see 13 verses, we think that doesn't apply to me. I'm just trying to balance my checkbook these days. But what John is dealing with here is what we're dealing with today. And so we need to be aware. And so all of you have to ask the question, will I be loyal? How many of you have been around long enough that someone, from the very time you came to the Lord, even before you came to the Lord, someone said, persecution's coming, persecution's coming, and I have preached that over the years. And friends, it is here. It is here. So we better decide, am I going to walk in the truth or am I just going to follow everyone else? Because there's a price involved in that. And John talks about it here. And so we do see the dangers of dealing with false teachers. 
How are we to respond when someone comes knocking at our door or comes into the church with a message that contradicts the Bible? Well, look at verse 8. Because he said, verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh or that Jesus Christ is God. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist or against Christ. And then he says, watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Be careful that you don't get lured in. Watch what you believe and watch what you hear. Because it is so subtle. It is so subtle. The enemy rarely will come at with so much at you. But just a little bit at a time. To give up a little bit at a time. Have you noticed with the last number of months how we're having to give up some things? Some things have been starting to take away, being taken away. And a little bit at a time we find ourselves just saying, okay, okay, okay. To the point where there's no going back. And so watch yourselves. Be careful that you don't get lured in. You can't defend the truth until you know the truth. So I was this cocky freshman at Moody Bible Institute. And I entered Moody Bible Institute and I'm like, yeah, I know the gospel and I know doctrine and I know all of this. And I remember we had an evangelism class and we were required to go out into the city and go out into the suburbs and share the gospel. And I'm like, I got this. I got this. I know who Christ is. I, I got it. Until I went up to a home and there was a lady sitting on the steps of her porch. And I began to strike up a conversation about Christ. And she goes, oh, I love Christ. I said, I do too. I, and we got to talking and I said something about Jesus Christ coming to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And she goes, oh no, that's not correct. Jesus is not God. Jesus is a prophet. He, he's he's uh, the sons of God. And I'm thinking, what? She goes, oh, yes. And she began. And I found myself going, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. And I found out she was a Jehovah Witness who does not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. And she was so entrenched in her cult that she knew exactly how to share. And here I was as a cocky freshman at Moody Bible Institute thinking that I knew everything and all of a sudden I, did, I realized I don't know as much as I think I do. And it helped me to realize I need to know the word of God in order to defend the word of God. So watch yourself that you don't get lured in. John is saying. Share in love, not rudeness. Okay, I've never seen uh, an argument uh, over the gospel where somebody wins. It's usually done by way of just showing love. Right now we are in a culture where people are not expressing on an awful lot of love. They want you to be tolerant, but they don't want you to show love. But we are told love one another. So even when someone comes to us and has a different gospel, uh, know what you believe, share it in love, not rudeness. Third, be bold in your stand for Christ and who he is. Know what you believe and why you believe it. So if I were to have you stand up today, why do you believe what you believe? Could you defend in just two minutes who Christ is and what Christ has done in your life? Would you be able to share what the gospel is? Because the gospel today in our culture is changing to a social gospel. 
And as long as you are a part of a social gospel, you're in. But that is not the gospel. That's a byproduct of the true gospel. The gospel is changing today. Do you know what the gospel is? So make sure that you're bold in your stand for Christ and who he is. And fourth, do not receive them into your house or give them a greeting. Watch what he says here. In verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. That reward is that we will receive, will be our loyal service to the Lord over time. And then he says this, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, my parents don't know the Lord. Does that mean I should not have them come into my house? They may believe something different than I do. Does that mean when they come to my house, they say, sorry, you're not coming in? No, remember the context here. That it was these itinerant preachers that were coming, that were these Gnostics that were coming in, and they were being brought in, shown hospitality, and even given a night's sleep in this house church. So if you know of somebody that's knocking at your door, saying, hey, could I talk to you a little bit? We're from a Jehovah Witness, we're from Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, or whoever it might be. Do you let them in your house? It's a good time for you to say, you know what? Um, I don't think that's a good idea. One, because you don't want to get lured in. And two, you don't want to be seen as somebody that invites them in and um, recommends or, uh, what is the word I hear? Commend them or recommend them. What are some signs of a false teacher? So someone comes in and they begin to teach something. How do you know if it's error? How do you know if it's truth? Well, a number of things that I have just written down, and you're welcome to take a picture of this or, or jot it down. One, they deny the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If someone is preaching something other than that Jesus Christ is God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it is error. It is false. You say, well, how do you know that's true? Because I see it here. How often do we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Second, they are always discovering something new. Be careful when someone gets up and says, psst, psst, I'm going to share something with you that I just discovered that no one has known over 2,000 years. This is a new truth, and I want you to be a part of it. Be careful, because God has given us his truth. This is enough to sustain us. But know that truth. John refers to these individuals as deceivers. Three, they teach from another book, which they say is equal to or above Scripture. If you, teach, if you talk to somebody that, who is a Mormon, they will tell you that the Book of Mormon is on the same level as the Word of God. That should be a warning sign to all of us. They add or subtract teachings from the Bible. Their experiences trump biblical doctrine. Now, all of us here have experiences of what God's done in our life. But when that experience becomes, becomes above and beyond what we see in Scripture, we need to be careful. Scripture always dictates or interprets our experiences. Our experiences do not interpret or dictate the Word of God. 
And so you'll see people with great experiences. We see this happening overseas. And we're want, that, that is not what the word of God declares. They teach good works for salvation. Uh, you need to do something. Some kind of work. Uh, some kind of um, uh, a merit of some sort. Uh, uh, you have to have been a certain individual or, or whatever it might be. There are certain works involved in order to be saved. And yet Ephesians tells us, by grace you've been saved through faith. And not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Not as a result of works, lest anyone would boast. Listen, if I could get saved by works, I'd be telling you every day. Man, I did this and I did that. I got saved because I ran track in high school. I did this, and that got me saved. That is not what the Word of God says. We were saved by grace through faith. And they teach us salvation other than faith alone in Christ. If ever you have someone that says, it is Jesus Christ plus, that's a red flag. Right away. And I've heard it before. You need Jesus Christ in your life and an extra second anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus Christ and you also need to do this and this and this. That's a red flag for all of us. Because even throughout the book of Hebrews, we see it is Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus the angels or Jesus plus creation or Jesus plus the things that we do. It's Jesus plus nothing. And so, so John finishes up and he says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him in your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Listen, there will be a day, and from where we stand doctrinally, we will not be a part of this, but there will be a day when the Antichrist will come on the scene. And he will have a message that will just draw everyone in. And people will be deceived when the lawless one comes. If you know Christ, you've committed your life to him, then be loyal and be in his word. Uh, this past week, uh, Charles Swindoll, who is a pastor in Texas, has said this. Our society today is riding the high horse of tolerance. Tolerance says, if you really love people, we'll accept them regardless of their beliefs. Yet what kind of love lets someone live a lie that will eventually destroy them? Love does not stand alone. It stands with truth, the truth of God's word. To really love someone is to tell them the truth, even if that means telling them their error. Our love grows soft if it is not strengthened by the truth of God and his word. And our truth grows hard if it's not softened by love. We need one with the other. You're going to hear this a lot over the next year. As a believer, you need to be tolerant. You don't don't need to be so strong in your beliefs. You need to be tolerant. Friends, there is a point where we take a stand because that's what God requires. There's a point where we take a stand because that's what is right. And I'm willing to be tolerant on some things, but when it comes to my God and the loyalty to live for him, here's the thing about loyalty. You can proclaim you're loyal all day long. 
I can walk in here this morning and I can say, I am loyal. I am so loyal, it's not even funny. There's a big difference between proclaiming your loyalty and proving your loyalty every single day. School, work, family, neighborhood, wherever you go, of proving you're loyal every single day that I will live for him. And I'm not going to bow for anyone except Jesus Christ. I don't know if you saw uh, the last week or so, Sam uh, Coonrod is a pitcher for San Francisco. Uh, and he demonstrated his loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ in choosing not to bow during a pregame uh, moment of silence for the Black Lives Movement. And there was a reason why he did not do that. He said, I had a difficult time embracing what they were asking us to do. Citing his faith as a Christian man and his desire to remain consistent in his beliefs, the Giants pitcher explained why he didn't kneel. He said this, and I quote, I meant no ill will by it. I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm better than anyone. I'm a Christian. I just can't get on board on a couple of things I've read about Black Lives Matter. I believe I can't kneel before anything but God, Jesus Christ. I chose not to kneel. I feel if I did kneel, I'd be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Here's a man who displayed the loyalty of his Lord in both truth and love by living out his convictions. I think all lives matter. All lives matter. And there is something that God will stir in our heart that when that moment comes, you will have to decide, will I bow for anything? Will I bow for anything these days? Or will I find myself and our church set on the word of God, being loyal and standing for him regardless, regardless. We live in some crazy, crazy days. I never thought I would be preaching and I would see people with masks on. Never thought I would see that. I never thought that we wouldn't have a children's ministry right now. I never thought that I wouldn't be able to go overseas and spend time with the people that I love. But we're here. This is the best opportunity in the world to represent Christ and to be an ambassador for him. This is your time. This is my time. It's not just to sit at home. It's not just to say, you know what? I've got unemployment and I've got $600 a month as well or a week and, and I'm good. This is a time for us to share Christ, to know truth from error, and to do it in love. So when John says, walk in truth, walk in love, know what you believe, because your loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's at stake. You can proclaim it all you want, but prove it. Prove it every single day. That's the proof of how much we know him and how much we love him. So today, let's walk in truth and let's also walk in love. Let me pray for us. Father, um, 
scary times. And some of us sitting here are just kind of going with the flow. We've forgotten what it means to stand for a cause that is greater than ourselves. We've forgotten to know that the truth of your word is so relevant and assures us of who we are and who you are. So Lord, wherever we're at in our lives today, in our faith today, if I'm speaking to someone that's never put their trust in Jesus Christ, that's truth. In a world where everything is so chaotic, your word is truth. I pray they would put their trust in you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sin and turn from their sin and embrace you and live for you from this day forward. For those of us who have been doing absolutely nothing with our faith these days, and we're just kind of riding along and doing what we have to do, and Lord, help us to not forget that you were the one that went to Calvary. You were the one that gave your life. And we placed our faith in you, and now there is a responsibility that we have, and that is to live for you, to represent you as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we representing you well? Are you truly the master in our heart? And so my challenge, Lord, for all of us as we leave today, that we would display our loyalty for the one who loves us so much that he gave his very life for us. May we never neglect our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who showed us what truth really is and showed us what love truly is as well. Help us to be careful, Lord, in what we hear, what we see, what we read. May we put it up against what your truth says so the truth will set us free. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.